Welcome to Interrevolutionary Radio with your host, Helen Hillings. This is James Maynard, your co-host. Today's topic, climate change, healthcare, addiction, stress. What's the link? What's the answer? An interview with Granny Rocks, a.k.a. Beth Green. While we've been living in a business-as-usual world, the world has not been business-as-usual. Historic floods and fires, frightening levels of addiction and death, high levels of polarization and anxiety, and more. What are we doing about it? Beth Green, a.k.a. Granny Rocks, says that generally speaking, we're not addressing the source of our problems. Democrats often offer tepid tepid incremental responses that don't match the needs. Republicans are trying to go backward on environmental protection, drugs, inclusivity, and the social safety net. Interest groups express outrage but little unity for anything. Polarization, racism, scapegoating, and hate are on the rise. And we're not addressing the essential problem. Most of us don't feel safe in our world, and there are economic, social, spiritual, and emotional roots for that feeling of unsafety. We must and can do better, says Granny Rocks. So stay tuned, hear her thoughts about the roots of our problems, and a direction for their solution. Helen? Thank you so much, James, and welcome to both of you. Thank you, James, and welcome, Beth Green, Granny Rocks. Hi, I can't even believe we made it. <laughs> I can't even believe you made it either. And I want to let our, our audience know what we're talking about. And it's so unbelievably, uh, painfully serendipitous that as these fires are raging all over the West, that Beth and James have evacuated their own home due to having nine fires in the immediate area around them and have fled to the coast where they are now joining us on the radio show. So, you know, if you think that climate change isn't here, you're crazy. And if you think that it can't touch you, you know, we are here to tell you differently. You know, Beth and James just moved to their ideal home in the forest next to this gorgeous Mackenzie River. And they thought this is our home forever. And who knows whether they'll even have a home to go to. So I just, I don't know. I just don't know what to say. I'm speechless about the whole thing. And it's so shocking what's going on right Right now, they mean Hurricane Harvey and then then Hurricane Irma, the biggest storm that ever been on Earth, and now Hurricane Jose, I think it is, is coming Irma. next. Irma. No, no, no. Oh. Irma, and then after Irma, there's another one already on the on the horizon. Oh Hurricane Jose, and oh there, you know, Washington is burning up. Oregon is burning up. California is burning up. Montana is already burnt up. I mean, it's it's just frightening, just absolutely frightening. So, you know, what a way to start a radio show. But I, <laughs> but I, I, I want to thank you and James so much for making the amazing effort that you've had to make to be on the show today. I know that you went above and beyond to try to get to a place that had even had internet so that you could join us. So I want to thank you, really thank you for, from Interrevolutionary Radio for making that effort because this topic is so timely and I'm very excited to hear what you have to say. And without further ado, you know, you know, I'd like to turn it over to you, Granny, and see what you do have to say. Well, don't you want to ask me a question? Well, first I want to tell you that we almost didn't make it because we were looking for a place to stay for the next couple of weeks. Uh, the latest report that we got is that there's thunderstorms uh, in the Mackenzie River, and it's actually raining. 
and uh, trees are falling. So, <laughs> but there's thunderstorms, and so many of these uh, fires were caused by lightning. And so we have no idea at this moment. We have just rented a house at the coast which, where the air is not great, but it's not as bad as it is where we were living. The, the, air, the air quality was above and beyond hazardous. Uh, so either the fire is going to be out and we're going to go home and we've just wasted a lot of money, rent, money renting a place we don't need, or we're not going to have a home, or we are going to have to stay there, and uh, we're going to try to get home tomorrow to pick up, uh, so we can pick up some stuff and come back on Monday, assuming that these fires are going to go on until the end of September. And uh, the feeling of it, it's, it's so uh, unreal. Um, you know, I think that, you know, I think about those poor people in Houston and all over, and, you know, Puerto Rico is going to get it, and, uh, uh, you know, the islands of the Caribbean, the poorest people, you know, who have no resources, are, of course, are getting hit by climate change, and this has been going on for years, that the poorest people are getting hit by climate change, and now it's hitting all of us. Could you please tell us why you connect climate change with the, the wildfires and the these hurricanes that are so intense? Well, it's not me who's making the connection. It's scientists. Most clients, uh, I think it's 98% of all climate scientists agree that this uh, global warming is caused by, uh, you know, the emissions of greenhouse gases, which trap heat into the earth. And so we have higher than normal temperatures, and because of that, the forests are dry. We have not had rain this summer, and um, so everything is dried out, and it doesn't take much. Mostly lightning has started most of these fires Although there's a horrible fire going on in Oregon, which evidently was caused by teenagers doing fireworks. And the Columbia Gorge, which is one of the jewels of Oregon, is burning up. Uh, and you know, and the, the world is not the way it used to be. And so when it comes to fires, it's really obvious that the heat is causing that problem. And then the second thing, of course, is uh, with the uh, floods is that you have higher than normal sea levels because of the melting glaciers. And uh, the higher than normal sea temperatures cause these storms to pick up more and more intense energy. And I know there are still people, and I meet them every day, who say that has nothing to do with us. It's like, oh, there's always been climate change. But the science shows that there hasn't always been ch climate change at this pace. There ha the, you know, the pace of climate change has gone up with industrialization, with pollution, with the increase in the emission of greenhouse gases. I am sick of the conversation. I don't want to have this conversation anymore. You know, it's like, can't we just get on with it and figure out what we're going to do? No so. kidding. No kidding. I mean, it, it, the, the waste of energy denying reality. I'm 68 yeah. years old, and I've never seen a season like this with no. one enormous life-threatening uh, hurricane after another lined up out in the Atlantic and the Pacific is burning up with fires. I've never seen that before. No. So, you know, the fact that it happens all the time is simply ludicrous and I'm with you. Let's stop wasting time fighting about whether <laughs> whether this is happening or not. So, yes, I do want to ask you a question. You know, the the introduction talked about you know, all these important issues and the fact that we are not facing the core 
reasons why these issues are happening and what we can do about them. So I'd like you to talk about, to start out with, and the core issues, you know, we all know what the core issues are, you know, are climate change and racism and immigration and the the workers' lives and the lack of the safety net and you know, universal human rights, and you know we could go on and on. Um, Lack of health care, exactly. Stress. So, um, you know, I have talked about this on Interrevolutionary Radio before, but not everyone has heard it, and so I just want to briefly encapsulate what it is that I'm the point that I'm trying to make, which is that any sensible culture. <laughs> knows that the purpose of our society and of our economy is to reproduce ourselves and the next generation. So, you know, the baboons know they have to eat and rest and have a, you know, whatever shelter they need in order for them to keep functioning. And then they have to raise their their babies, their children. And that's what societies do, whether they're insects you know the 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 the, the bees are busy uh, creating their their nests and doing their thing and uh, so that to reproduce themselves and their progeny their offspring well but humanity we don't have that simple idea that that every other species seems to get right <laughs> so you know a right tree, a tree is looking for water it's looking for you know sunshine so it has photosynthesis and then it's dropping its acorns, right? So it's doing the same thing. We're all doing it, right? We're all regenerating ourselves, and we're all reproducing uh, the, the next generation because that, that's nature. It's not, but humanity, no, we don't do that. We focus our society and our economy on profit. You know, I mean, can you imagine the bees getting together and saying, you know, it would be more profitable for us this year. If we started <laughs> to do this instead of that. Yeah, if we cut back production of honey. Right. The prices would go up. Right. And we'd make more money. Right. For the honey. Right. Um, and so what if we starve half of the bee population and then. Exactly. You know, then there are no uh, fruit flowers for us to pollinate and nothing for us to eat to make any more. But who cares about that? We're going to get rich now. Exactly. And that, that is exactly what our society is based on. And I have to say this has been going on for a very long time, that we have completely lost sight that our purpose is to regenerate and reproduce. And so we see the result. Now, why am I saying that we see the result? I'm saying that all of these things that we're looking at have the same cause, which is that people are not well are not regenerating and are not reproducing uh, the next generation in a healthy way. For example, if it is cheaper to keep lead in the pipes so that, um, you know, the lead industry made huge amount of money promoting lead pipes, even though they were well aware, and this was the beginning of the 20th century, that lead was bad for your health. Now, just think about that. That would be like, you know, the orangutan deciding that they were going to poison half of the babies because so that the other half could eat. I, you know, and so we, as this advanced civilization, we are we are so short-sighted and so self-centered 
that we're not thinking that the children who are growing up with lead in their pipes, and who knows how widespread that contamination is. It's not just in Flint, Michigan. I mean, it's they, lead has been discovered in pipes across the country. And, you know, some people can afford to drink bottled water, which, by the way, I've heard isn't so great either. But other people can't. So you say, oh, who cares? Those are only black people or poor people or Hispanic people, right? So the next time you go to the hospital, I want you to look around and see who the nurses and the nurses' aides are, you know, and how many of them are, you know, are foreign born or of different ethnic groups other than the white people who are making these decisions, generally speaking, right? And so it's like, okay, so we are poisoning the people and we're creating brain damage in the children that we need to run our stores, to plow our fields, to be men and women, our hospitals, and the ones who are also people there, young people who might turn into the scientists who discover the cure for cancer. You know, all of this human potential is being destroyed by the actions of businesses that have no perspective beyond let's make the greatest amount of profit we can in the least amount of time. And they're destroying humanity and they have already destroyed the earth. I mean, what we are, look at the pollution that, and, and our current administration is taking off regulation because it's hampering business. Well, whoopee do. Business has done no job in terms of regulating itself. It's not like, oh, we had this marvelous, uh, well-oiled machine of businesses that were taking care of us and our health. You know, it wasn't like DuPont was tossing, uh, you know, Teflon. Teflon into the water in Ohio and West Virginia. It's not like we haven't had industries that have... No, everybody has known that they take off the safety measures because they get in the way of their profit. We we know this. Business has not regulated itself, and so why? Who else is going to do it other than government? And people say, "Well, government regulation is the problem." Hell no! It's business that created the problem that was trying to be solved by government regulation, and now let's give it back to business because they've done such a job in the past such a great job. Just like business has been so responsible about carbon emissions that we, we slow, obviously we've, we've turned around global warming decades ago because of business, right? It's absurd. It's absurd. Now, I'm not saying that government is great or that everybody in government is, is looking out for our interests or that a government is efficient or any of those things. But don't tell me that business is the solution because business is the problem that government has been trying to solve. And it is exactly the same thing that happened on Wall Street when we had all the, those horrendous um, uh, mortgages, you know, uh, mortgage uh, defaults and banks going out of business. That was because of, not because of regulation, it was because of deregulation. So we cannot trust business. So, okay, is government perfect? Hardly. And then we have the corrupt uh, people who are lobbyists who then become people. I mean, the EPA is now being run. The Environmental Protection Agency is being run by somebody who's always been against environmental protection. 
it, it becomes more astounding every day. So you have to look at the what is this consciousness that we have that makes us so self-destructive? Well, greed. <laughs> you damn right it's greed. You know, it's short-term thinking. It's short-term thinking, saying, oh, I'm going to get a lot of profit by dumping pollutants into the river. And you're not saying, look what it's going to cost in the long run. I keep thinking about the insurance industry. You know, we, um, in a revolutionary radio, I think we were called Inside Out at the time. Oh, and I was the host uh, during those years, and we had a special on climate change. It was a two-hour special. And I interviewed a whole bunch of people about climate change. And it was so, it, it all became so clear that we have options, we have solutions. It would even be economically viable. But there's something in our consciousness, which is that short-term, greedy thinking. It's the ego which stops us from doing it. And there are people in the insurance industries who are avid environmentalists because they are paying. Are you thinking about the insurance industry right now? I am. You know, how do I know that if my house burns down, that uh, that my insurance company won't be bankrupt from all the other disasters? Right. Or, or what is going to happen to our premiums? So it's so stupid. People are saying, oh, well, it's too expensive to go to renewable energy. What is the cost to our health, to our well-being, and to the earth of not doing it? So we come back to we don't have regeneration as our perspective. Now, it's not just about climate change. It's about everything. If we had regeneration as our perspective, we would be having symposia on what do we need? What do we as humanity need? I say we need a lot of things. We need things, but we also need clean air and we need clean water and we need clean food which doesn't necessarily equate to agribusiness. We need to feel safe in the world. And we don't. Because, see, you know, we are America. We believe in every man and woman, child and bug for himself. You know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, even if you have no boots. You know, rugged individualism. It's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. There is no such thing. It's, 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 a, it's a myth to begin with. You know, these big corporations are letting us flounder, are leaving people in despair when you pick up a factory and you move it somewhere else and you don't think about what are the people who are left behind going to do. And if you don't move it somewhere else, what what about those people? What are they going to live on? You know, we, we don't have that consciousness in us to care about regenerating ourselves and reproducing our children. You you mentioned that it's ego. Yes. Uh, you know, is that the core quality or concept that ties all of this together in terms of the reasons why we're not looking at the real problems? I believe that it is, Helen. I mean, we uh, ego is uh, my definition is that the ego is the uh, awareness of the individual self. So everybody has it. Everybody needs it. 
So when you're born, you know, before you're born, you're kind of in your mom's womb and you're really not an individual self. You're part of the oneness. You're really part of your mother's body. And when you're born, you emerge and suddenly life has changed, right? (laughs) You know, in order to get fed, you have to yell. Before that, you didn't have to do anything. You just sat there and say, you know, unless you're one of those unfortunate children whose, you know, mothers are starving or you're getting strangled in the womb or whatever. But right. most of the, the experience of the womb is that all of our needs are taken care of. The moment that you're born, it's over, dude. You know, you got to start yelling. So you start, you have to yell, got to breathe. Right. And you got to cry and you got to let people know that, you know, you're hungry and that your diaper's wet. And all of a sudden, so you're already learning to fight for your own individual survival. And as a as a newly born infant, that's all you can think about is I'm hungry, I'm wet, I'm cold, I'm hot, I'm suffocating. What have you got me in here for? And uh, you're not able to really see the big picture you're not lying there in the crib saying i wonder if mom has a headache today if so maybe i'll give her a chance to nap and then i'll cry later of course you don't do that you don't have that awareness you don't have that capacity for awareness and so the ego which is the awareness of individual existence that happens when you become an individual that has to fight for itself that ego kind of takes over our survival it's it's connected to our survival instinct and it says i have to cry i have to scream and i have to figure out how to get my needs met now some babies have these horrible uh infancies where they're not even getting those needs taken care of when they cry or they do all the normal stuff and they are learning all kinds of distorted ways of expressing those needs and many of us realized as at a young age that we had to manipulate people to get our needs met. So, okay, we go, goo goo gaga, gurgle gurgle. We, you know, we're trying to make mommy feel like she loves us and she really wants to get up and feed us again when she's exhausted and wants to go to bed. Or we start to learn who it is in the family who is going to look after our interests. Oh, it's not, mom is a is a drug addict, dad is an alcoholic, and grandma is the one that you have to go goo gaga to. And so you figure out who's going to take care of you and you start gearing your life and your behavior towards getting that person to take care of you. So this is all normal, right? But all of this has to do with learning how to manipulate and get for yourself. And this is how our egos grow up. So now at a certain point, uh, you, you say, oh, I want that toy. You go and you grab it or you get jealous, you hit your brother or whatever. Everybody says, don't do that, bad boy, bad girl, you know, that's not nice, and all of that. So now you, you know, that instinct that you have to grab for yourself, you feel embarrassed about it, you feel ashamed. Although some parents are going to encourage it. Look at Johnny, he's a real fighter. Fighting for his needs, he's going to become the head of Monsanto and (laughs) and feel entitled to have 89 Rolls Royces. Exactly, exactly. I think on a show that we did a year or so ago, uh, we had on a guy, uh, we, we were, I was studying this, I think 64 people in the entire world own more than 50% of the human population. Wasn't that it? 64 people! I think it was even less than that. 
Maybe it was less than that, you know. I think it was quite a few less than that. So, you know, it's so you learn to disguise your ego, but you don't learn to do anything about it. Because let's say mommy is the kind of person who says that's not nice. So then you figure out that you're going to hit your brother when mommy isn't looking. So, but we're not actually trained to see that we are all one and to understand that what happens to one happens to the other. I mean, why I I love and hate climate change, I mean, it's devastating, and I don't mean that I love it like I really like the results of this, but but what what is good about climate change is that it brings in our faces what is obvious, which is you cannot clean the air over one house in Los Angeles, and you can't leave anything safe. You know, uh, Trump's Mar-a-Lago could be in the path of Irma. Right. You know, what, what irony. Yeah, what irony. You know, so we have to learn. We have to be trained to think about each other and to care about each other. But instead, our society is so individualistic oriented. It's the social philosophy is you should fend for yourself. And, and people who are needy and who need help are treated like they are... Uh, the way lepers were treated, which was not very loving or caring, um, you know, it's like, you're bad. You're bad because you need help. And so people become ashamed and depressed when they do need help. There isn't a sense of ethic. You know, it's a lot of people are trying to make us believe that America is based on that mentality. But I see another America. I see the America that was based on the potluck, as we call the potluck revolution, where everybody brought what they could and they took what they needed. And America was based on barn raising, where neighbors got together to help each other. And you see that America during these disasters, as people are helping each other, people down the Mackenzie River started a Facebook page uh, offering help to the people upriver. And, uh, you know, what do you need? Do you need a place for your animals? I mean, you know, we're in a rural area, livestock and so on. Um, that's also America. America is based on a communal energy. So many of the people who first came to this nation cre- you know, believed in community, created community. But it's all gotten distorted because our economic system is based on individualism, greed, fight for yourself, get what you can, and the hell with everybody else. And and the original pilgrims were helped by the Indians. That's right. By the Native Boy, Americans. Was, yeah, but, but that was a, a big mistake, right? Yeah, that was a big mistake, but it was their, you know, it was the good heart of humanity. There is a good heart of humanity, but it's overshadowed. It's like the moon eclipsing the sun you know we are even though the sun is bigger than the moon it depends on your position the moon can eclipse the sun and i'm afraid that uh the negative side of humanity is eclipsing the sun it's it's the 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 fear and and greed is based on to a such a large extent is based on fear it's like when that little ego of that infant is screaming for its needs to be met, it's because it feels so helpless that if it doesn't scream, it feels like it's not going to get anything and it has no power in the world. And the only thing it has is a big mouth, right? So 
it, that's what we do. You know, we try to bluster and threaten, or sometimes we manipulate, which is really just another way of, of doing it. But in a, in, in a way, it, when you don't feel powerful enough to get something directly, you try to manipulate to get it. You know, in, got- in your, I was sorry, I was going to just say in, in your book, Living with Reality, you talk about the, you know, evolved ego and how the ego can transform itself to work for what is for the highest good of all, including the ego. And I wonder if when you're talking about, you know, the the potential bright side of all of these horrible catastrophes, I wonder if it could be that, that, you know, the self-preservation uh, side of the ego could be triggered into serving the whole if if we can wake up. Yeah, well, that would be my hope. And you see, when I say that it all has the same source, and we, we, we started talking about the, what the ego is, it's the stress that we live under in this society is horrendous. And people are stressed, and they're for, they work when they shouldn't be working. They don't rest. Uh, we are not, our economy does not reward us for wellness. It rewards us for production. So it's okay uh, if people are overworking and are working when they shouldn't and working when they're sick, it's okay as long as the profit keeps rolling out. And so what do you think happens to the people who feel like if they don't overwork? I, I remember when I when I worked for the phone company, and this was back in the 70s, uh, Ohio Bell, they, uh, there was such a draconian pro- policy around absence. You couldn't have more than three days off, even with a doctor's letter. With you know, well, it wasn't that you couldn't, but that you were subject to being fired if you if you took off more than three days a year, even for medical reasons. And there was a woman uh, who died at her little position uh, because she was so afraid to take a day off. And for the women who were taking care of the children, uh, it was terrible because, of course, women with children are going to get dragged away from work. So people are so stressed, people are afraid to be sick, people are afraid to have needs, people are afraid of anything that is going to get in the way of them being seen as valuable. And this is so deep and so bad that it infects our very relationships. How many of us have felt one way or the other that if we could not prove our value, we would be thrown away by our own partner, our own mate? If it's yep. ego value, like, oh, I'm good looking and my husband likes to walk down the street with a look good looking woman and I'm getting older and I'm getting wrinkles and he isn't going to want me anymore, which is, I've seen this in, you know, women who are married to wealthy men actually worry about this. Or you're worrying about, I can't, oh, I maybe if I, so this, this happens to me, I'm not going to be able to work. My wife is going to leave me because I've become disabled. Um it's where everyone is so desperate because we have no social network that keeps us feeling safe. The stress level and the alienation that we feel because we feel alone in the world. We feel like we still have to fight for ourselves instead of getting together and fighting for one another. And you can see it, you know, in terms of racism, in, in, in terms of these different ethnic groups that are pitted against each other. And I consider white people as an ethnic group <laughs> that's being pitted against others. Others are being pitted against whites. You know, blacks are pitted against Hispanics. Hispanics are pitted against Asians. 
you know, it's all about protect myself and my own and the, and the heck with everyone else. But to me, it's all illogical. To me, if we all felt like we were going to get what we needed, even if we didn't have all the bells and whistles that we think we're going to get, we would feel safer and we wouldn't need as much of the things we really don't need. You know, if children felt truly valued for who they were, do you think they would care as much about the brand of jeans they were wearing? I hope not. I, I certainly know that as I'm aging and, you know, my own energy is somewhat diminished. I mean, I'm very lucky to be so healthy, but it's like I I want to give things up. You know, yeah. I want to give things up because they, after having worked so hard for them, I mean, this is exactly what you're talking about. I've worked so hard to accumulate these things that now I couldn't care less about. <laughs> I know what you mean. You know, I was saying to James the other day when we, uh, you know, we don't know. We're at, uh, we're at what you call level two evacuation notice. And level two means be prepared to leave at any moment and, uh, and evacuate if you can. Um, we've been at that. And, I, you know, I said, well, there is a certain freedom in thinking that everything is going to burn up. Unfortunately, however, we would still owe money on a piece of land that would have a bunch of burnt out trees. I don't know what what you do. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. I mean, I think people rebuild their homes and plant trees and live in that shell of a of a landscape. Right. I mean, it'd I be horrible. Well, and especially for us, I mean, we're old. I don't, I know. I don't want to build a house. Oh, of course I, not. No, I, I, I would, I would rather rent a house somewhere than have to build a house. So it's so true, and and there is this feeling of well, maybe if it all disappeared, and this is all assuming that there are insurance companies who can actually bail us out after all of these natural, right, these right. unnatural disasters. Right. So I have a feeling, Helen, that there's something else on your mind that you want to ask me, but I have no idea what it is. Well, I don't either. Um, <laughs> I, I know that I want to understand those core problems of regeneration and reproduction and what we can really do about it. You know, that's that's one thing I'd like for you to talk about that I do know is okay. what can we do about these things? Because I, I'm absolutely in 100% agreement and I can't imagine that, that any listener wouldn't be in agreement after hearing what you have to say. But the question of how can we make a difference? Well, that's a very good question. And by the way, I'd like to mention as part of getting into that answer, that one of the reasons that we completely denigrate everything that does not produce profit is that long ago we divided the world into work and non-work. And work is what you do that makes money. And housework, for example, which is the work of regeneration and reproduction, was never given any value. It was relegated to women, of course, because women were the ones who got pregnant. And uh, in those days, uh, women did it all. 
uh, and it had no value, and women had no value, and it was part of the oppression of women to devalue the work that women do. And so uh, there was something very uh, interesting about this male-female uh, divide uh, across uh, you know, the world and many, many societies, traditional societies, as well as our completely skewed, quote, civilized society, is that men who had more power, physical power, and then had even more physical power when women were pregnant and taking care of babies, uh, that they gave value to what they did. And they gave no value to what women did. So, the, you know, one of the things that we need to start realizing is that the work that women have traditionally done, and now that is getting spread around way more, is the work of regenerating uh, the working class and reproducing it. And that means that the woman, you know, when the guy would come home from work, he knew that he was going to have clean clothes the next day and he was going to have a lunch packed. You know, that he was going to get taken care of. So that was regenerating. He could regenerate. Uh, but when women had to take a second job outside the home as well, they had to take care of that second job, you know, whether you were, a, uh, you know, a nurse or a teacher. And now, of course, it's becoming doctors and lawyers, too. Um, and you had to do that. And you were still expected to go home and do the work of regenerating everybody in the family. You were still cooking. You were still cleaning. You were still, uh, you know, making sure that everybody was taken to the doctor and all of and, that. And that's not in the past tense. I just read yeah. an article because we had a, a woman on uh, on the radio last, well, she's going to be on next week, actually, um, Natasha Lamb from Arjuna Investor Group, who was, one of her things is, is parity and pay. And I read an article that said that still... If a yes. woman ha- if a woman has a job outside the home, a full time job, that eighty percent of the the work at home is still done by the woman, even yeah. though she's she's working outside the home, the same as the man. Well, you know, we know why. It's because women are obviously the weaker sex, and so we need so much protection that we need two jobs. Uh huh. Exactly. We are <laughs> so explains weak. everything. We're so weak that we just can't do anything. So, uh, yes, no, I'm with you. I think that is, that is still the case. And that is the invisibility and the denigration of the work of regenerating, the, you know, humanity. And so, in a way, there, you know, we have to break through a kind of male chauvinist patterning that is damaging everyone because the men who are married to women who have to work outside the home are also suffering from the fact that the women are getting less pay so because that less money is coming into the house. So the men are, are hurting from that as well. And then men, the men are also overworked or overstressed. And then they have the demands when the women start saying, well, excuse me, you need to be sharing in this work. The men already feel stressed because our society is not regenerating them. They don't have, nobody has a four-hour day that I know of except the people who are impoverished, <laughs> except the people who don't work. Uh, you know, because they, they've inherited all their money. So, you know, the, 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 the men who have taken advantage of that situation have actually been damaged by it because the, the wives are not earning the money because of the weakness of women in the labor movement because women, are, you know, have uh, been doing extensions of housework. That, that's a whole other conversation, but I could really get into why that is all happening. And that men who have felt responsible for 
you know, being the wage earners, are completely devastated when they don't feel like they're living up to their manly role, uh, you know, of being the, the, the providers for the families. So they're suffering from all of this, and they are also suffering because they have to stay in their jobs when the women aren't bringing in any money uh, or when their women are getting paid less for the same work because they, the men, still feel like they have to slave away somewhere to have a decent wage somewhere in the house. And, and, you know, you're you're bringing up such an incredible point about everyone is suffering, you know, and, and... I mean, I can only hope, just like the climate change disasters, that these realities also are coming to a head, that that people are seeing that everyone is suffering because the man feels bad that he's not living up to and the woman feels resentment because she's doing twice as much and the children feel, you know, <laughs> left out or... Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's like everyone is suffering, but everyone's blaming everybody else exactly. instead of coming together and saying, look, this isn't working, period. This is not working. What can we do? Well, yes, and there's one more thing I want to get into before we get to the what can we do. The, just because you're well-paid doesn't mean that you're happy and stress-free. So if you look at, at people who are small business owners, small business owners never get a day off, <laughs> Right. I mean, you have your own business. I have my own business. You know, I, I, I've got to there's no I have no insurance. I have no check. Right. Uh, no vacation. To, no vacation. No, no time nobody off. to pay half of your Social Security. You know, exactly. Exactly. So small businesses, it's not it ain't so great. In fact, here we are since we've been uh, struggling with these fires for weeks now. I have not taken one minute off from work. Even though, you know, we're here and there and everywhere, we're always looking for a place that I can get on the Internet so that I can work. Because I have a small business. I don't get any paid time off because of my house burning down, right? So that, and then people who are working for large corporations are part of machines, which are so inefficiently run, most of them. It's unreal, having worked for, you know, many corporations. And that the upper executives are stressed out of their minds uh, and and because there is constant pressure on them to increase profit, so those people are also suffering. And yet we're you know we we we're not supposed to say that we're supposed to resent people who make more money than we do, or we're broken down not only among races but uh, you know classes. It's like oh you're not a worker, but you are a worker, you know. And um, you know most of us, and then and. I think that there isn't a human being who isn't suffering on some level, even if they're suffering just from the guilt that they have more than other people. So, yeah, there's research that backs that up, you know. Yes. That that yes. there's an inverse relationship at a certain point between money and happiness. I'm not saying that the poorest people are the happiest people in the world. I, I, God, but, no. No, but at some point there is an inverse relationship to happiness and money, and I think everybody pretty much knows that intuitively. So here, the what we have to do is we have to stop lying to ourselves and stop letting ourselves be divided. Uh, you know, we met someone. Uh, we're on the we're at the ocean, and we met a woman at the beach, and we got into this ridiculous conversation. I really blame myself for continuing. First, she was denying, you know, climate change. <laughs> And then she was saying that, you know, business should really be in charge of everything. And, uh, you know, there was just <laughs> one, 
one ridiculous, I mean, I hate to say You couldn't help yourself. I couldn't help myself. And I kept trying to have a heart-to-heart conversation with her because she had suffered also. Oh, my God, it's raining right now, but we're not in Mackenzie Bridge. But the the drops are big. Uh, We can hear them. Isn't that something? It's lovely, lovely, lovely. I'm so grateful. Well, let it rain, but not... Not lightning. lightning. Yeah. In uh, in uh, you know in our hometown and up the whole Mackenzie River and in all of Oregon, where you know we're I'm devastated by how the trees are being going up in flames. But but it's like we have to wake up. But those who will not wake up, we just have to let them go for now and start to consolidate ourselves. We need to start to come together. We need to tell the truth about. The fact that our society is upside down, that it's not about issues. It's not about this issue or that issue. It's not even about climate change. It's about that we do not focus on regenerating ourselves or the earth. The same attitude towards that, that we see towards ourselves is what we're doing to the earth. Like, use it up, use it up, use it up. It doesn't matter. Short-term profit doesn't matter that you've devastated the earth there's always more you know throw out this person there's always someone else and that's the attitude this short-term narrow me-based thinking egoic thinking we have to confront that we have to get beyond issues people have to realize that it's a whole societal attitude that we need to start looking at what we need and we are having an event as you well know uh, on Saturday, where we're going to get together to talk about this, and I, w- I and the first thing that we all can do when we walk out of this is start talking to people about these ideas. This is not something that is just oh yeah that's interesting. Gee, that woman made a very interesting point, and then you go back and you live your life the same way. It's about you realize that this is the essence of it, that we do not focus on what we need. We focus on profit. And I don't care who that offends. And I don't care how anti-capitalist that sounds. I could not care less. And I don't care if you're going to call me a commie pinko, uh, you know, (laughs) Marxist-Leninist, you know, that's ridiculous. I don't think that, never in my life I've ever said that Joseph Stalin was the voice of people caring for themselves. I mean, it's complete nonsense. We are constantly being distracted by nonsense. It isn't only racism and classism and saying, oh, no, well, he's not a worker because he gets paid $200,000 a year or $5 $5 million a year. Or doesn't get paid at all. Or doesn't get paid at all. That we're all part of the same system that doesn't care for itself or for the earth. And that has to change. Now, what is that going to look like? Search me. But the, but but what that would look, I know what it would look like in certain terms is that we would start asking the right questions. The right question isn't how can we increase our GDP this year. The right question is what do we need in order to regenerate ourselves, to be healthy emotionally, to be healthy physically, to have meaningful work. Somebody, you know, people talk about artificial intelligence like it's a threat. Are you kidding? Let's get that artificial intelligence in here, doing the stuff that's hurting people. Why do we all need to work so many hours? How long ago did we win the eight-hour day? Who works eight hours anyway? 
Most everybody, you know, we work more hours than that. Plus, we have all that work of regeneration, which nobody even counts as work. You know, all I know is that, you know, I drop dead at the end of the day. You know, and, and I know that most people do, or they, they make themselves high, or they drink, or they're trying to escape from their stress. And so there it is. We, you know, we have to change the conversation before we're going to have any real solutions. And we've got to take this passion with us that we have to change the way people think about ourselves and one another and stop, instead of seeing uh, each other as the enemy, start to see the enemy is this short-term, stupid, narrow perspective on what we're here for. And you know, it's, how can we come together around this at this Saturday event, which I believe is September the 9th, uh, 10 o'clock, I believe, till 12? Uh, Pacific time. Pacific time. Helen, do you have information on how people could uh, tune in on that? Well, contact me at Helen at the innerrevolution.org is the easiest way. And then I can, or you can call me at 760-518-5267, 760-518-5267, and I'll be happy to give you instructions. Um, and that's September 9th, though, because some people will hear right. the show. It's for September 9th. But you can, in 2017... But, and, and we're doing a program called Fire and Flood. What are we going to do about it? And this is a discussion that we're going to have a discussion very much like this. But we are going to go beyond this. We're going to start mobilizing. We want people to start giving us their names, giving us their uh, email addresses, looking for further conversations, uh, asking us to go and speak at various groups. Start spreading the idea. You know, I want recording available, right? And then another event, September 30th. Yes. Thank you for focusing on that. And one of the things that I, I'd like to point out that you were talking about is that if the if the whole is not thriving, the individuals will not thrive. It, it's just the same conversation as you were saying before that it's just nature. You know, if the whole earth is not thriving. My little town is not going to thrive. And That's if, right. if the whole of nature, including all the animals that are going extinct at an alarming rate, yes. are, not, are not thriving, we are not going to thrive. And that seems to be so simple-minded, and yet it, it, it is not in everyone's consciousness yet. That, no. that, and the same thing about it, it, it's true on a macro as well as a micro level in your own little home. If all of the members in your family are not well and feel like their needs are being met, nobody in that family is going to really be happy. And you just oh, can, take, right. you can take it out, uh, you know, as far as humanity goes. That's right. You know, with the, the jealousy, the competition, it's all based on narrow-minded thinking where we don't realize that if you're really smart, you may figure out something that's going to help me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And if you're really strong, you're going to be able to lift that thing that's going to help me. One is accountability and mutual support. It's what the inner revolution is all about. And I encourage people to join the innerrevolution.org. Not just this Saturday at this what is going to promise to be a great event. Let's continue and again on September 30th we've got a, an event plan let's start 
figuring this stuff out and going out there and start talking to people about it and start thinking about how to apply these principles in every situation we're in. We cannot answer all the questions, but together we can. That's right. Together we can. We've got about four minutes left, and I'd like James to tell us about about what we're doing next week and then come back for some closing thoughts, Beth. And I can't believe this hour is almost over. It seems like 20 minutes. James? Okay, then. Sure. Uh, next week's topic, a new breed of impact investors are giving boardrooms a conscience. A conversation with Natasha Lamb from Arjuna Capital. Do men and women working on the same job with the same level of education and experience make the same amount of money? All too often the answer is no. Today we'll speak with Natasha Lamb, a woman who is working to change that as well as a host of other issues, both social and environmental. Her company's engagements with Apple, Intel, Amazon, Expedia, and eBay have led all of them to commit to gender pay equity today. And her 2014 landmark negotiation with ExxonMobil led to the company's first public report on global warming and carbon asset risk. What led Natasha to this line of work? How does she get these companies to make these kinds of changes? What next? And what can we learn from her and her approach? So join us. Tune in. I love this. You know, this is so important because I don't even, you know, when I was saying that business has a dismal record, it's true. But there is also people in business today who are smart enough to figure out that we're destroying the earth. I mean, there are people even in the oil industry that are more advanced than uh, these deniers who are running our government, who realize that we should be in the Paris Accord and who need to be doing something else. There is no reason that business should be against humanity. Businesses need healthy workers. Absolutely. You know, who come to work and are not carrying diseases that can be communicated to other people. Businesses people need uh, employees who are not on, who are not addicted. You know, business business needs people who are honest and who feel courageous enough and safe enough to speak up and say what's wrong. Business needs this change just as much as the rest of us. Absolutely. And, yes. And you know, one of the things I, I already we already did this interview with with Natasha, and she sounded so much like you, Beth. She was talking about regeneration and reproduction, even. You're you know, kidding. It, no, it was unbelievably amazing the the similarity in the way that that the, her whole group is thinking. And I can't remember Arjuna is a Hindu god. Um, then I can't. I think it, it's about evolution and change, and uh, y- you know she's promoting exactly what you're saying. Businesses need this. They represent huge foundations and huge family wealth that need places to invest in the long term. Yes, and yes. that's why they started this. They they want their foundations to go on for the long term. Oh you know? my God! And that's exactly what you're saying. So you know. We're, we are waking up. I just hope there are enough, uh, well, soon yes. enough. Yeah, well, it, it may not. Uh, yeah, we've got about 20 seconds left. Okay, well, uh, I hope that she comes on Saturday or I would love to meet this woman. And let's, you know, see if we can join forces. We need to join forces already to change everything. When the American Revolution began, it looked like hopeless. But it, but it happened. It That's happened. right. It happened. 
So I love your I love your needless optimism. We, we've always joked about that over the years, and that's one of your best traits. And may we all have that. <laughs> yes. Because yeah. we need it. We need it now that we are going to fight together for what really matters, and that is for this idea that we are all one, and we must all feel safe, and we must all feel like we can get our needs met. So thank you so much, Beth, and thank you, James. It's always Thank a pleasure. You. My pleasure. Thank you. Mwah. Mwah. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Inner Revolutionary Radio. The next episode will broadcast live next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be inspired. Join us.